0: Welcome to this week's episode of Karki Nalaki. Today, we are joined by Luke Petra, who is going to take us all the way back into pre-colonial African history.
1: Ready when you are. All right, oh, yeah. let's
0: dive in then. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, yeah. right. Well, Luke, because we do know that you've got a book coming out, but we'll get to that anyway. Um, yeah. We asked all of our guests this, our first question, you know, if you can summarise, I guess, your historical field or your book, you know, in 30 seconds. Um, okay. So broad. That's so <laughs> <If you> could...
1: <laughs> yeah, That's fine. Um yeah, no, I mean it's it's it shouldn't actually be too difficult because it's something that I think about a lot. But uh, basically my the area that I that I sort of look into and that I'm interested in is the period um of African history basically before um the European Age of Exploration and before um, you know. The slave trade before the African slave trade or the Atlantic slave trade sort of starts kicking off and then also the eras of uh, a European colonialism so I look at all of the quote-unquote pre-colonial African history and the deeper African past but not just in terms of um you know uh what uh, Africans were kind of doing so what the kingdoms and the states and the kings etc were but also you know what were the you know what were the, the original and traditional and what are the traditional beliefs um and practices and values of African societies and African cultures. Um, so it's basically looking at the deeper African past, um, mm. and uh, you know about what was going on in Africa before the fifteenth century. Um, so that's oh, God, it's interesting. Interesting.
2: Wow, going down it. it's a very good minute. So we'll let you off there. Yeah, <laughs> no, no,
0: it's it's so interesting to hear. Yeah, um, before I go to my um, my next set question, I just want to ask, like, how. How? What are your sources and stuff when you're researching this? Because I guess a lot of people who are looking maybe into African history would rely on those European sources as they went over and colonized and yeah. Yeah. So what? What? How do you research all of your stuff? Basically, that's
1: a very good question. Um. So, uh, when you're looking, especially at the pre, uh, sort of, you know, in the in the centuries and. Um, even in the millennia actually before uh, Europeans are travelling to and recording things in Africa, one very important source actually are the accounts of um, Muslim travellers, because obviously Islam mm. swept through North Africa and parts yes. of Sub-Saharan Africa from about the seventh or in, in the seventh century and going onwards. So especially in the medieval era, um, you know we have very important Muslim travel travellers like Alumari and um, Ibn Batuta is one of was probably one of the, the best resources. Um, who are traveling in places like, uh, you know, West Africa, places like Mali, and then also East Africa, like Kenya and the Sudan, etc. In the in the in sort of, uh, well, even batuta sort of uh, there in the 14th century. So, for example, he visits um, modern day, uh, um, he sort of visits the East African coast, the Swahili coast, in the 14th century. They travel around there, so that's important. But actually, and and this sort of also ties into you know thoughts that I have and, and have had about actually the the sort of nature of historiography and historical inquiry because um, you know in Africa oral histories are important some of those Mm -hmm. have been recorded by anthropologists so that is a European lens but actually having the accounts of having recorded directly the accounts of African peoples. Usually, this is in the era of colonialism, but these are traditional accounts, so they're also quite useful. Um, but then, one of the more important things, as well as the oral histories from um, uh, you know from peoples from those societies, are actually things like um, you know the art and uh, the architecture and the artifacts. So, in Benin, for example, so like the, the the Benin bronzes, for example, are actually like historical records. You know, they 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 record. Um, They record, you know, the sort of the the value systems and the lifestyles of, you know, the kings of that time, um, and and the kings of of times past as well. Um, So looking at basically everything except for or, you know, just sort of including written documents um of the muslim travelers you look at things like um, archaeology is very very important um and architecture and oral history as well which has been recorded by ethnographers and anthropologists so that's usually what i look at in order to build up a picture of those times it just makes it even more
0: impressive like it's just so cool okay so let's dive in because i know when we were chatting about this and we were looking at like topics and you know cool stuff that we can pinpoint such a broad period that you look at you mentioned to me about warrior queens oh, yeah. and then we'll get onto them in particular but before we kind of dive yeah dive into who they are what is the context of who these particular queens are that we're looking at you know okay. what's what's going on at the time what period etc before we kind of look at
1: them yeah so um yeah so so really uh, sort of really exciting I mean uh, you know the two queens that uh, you know we thought that we'd, we'd sort of look at were obviously um Armani Rainers who's a queen of the kingdom of Kush. So this is a kingdom that basically is, it was um, in sort of what is now Southern, Southern Egypt, but mainly Sudan, like modern day Sudan, um, also known as Nubia. So it's something that's sort of, sort of part of like a collective that We all sort of know about Nubia, we've heard of Nubia, but this was, you know, this was, this was a real place that sort of existed from about um from about the 8th century BC, I think Nubians proper, although mm. the origins of their kingdom extend to, you know, 5,000 years before the present day, or oh, 5,000 BC, sorry, I should say. Um, so uh, uh, so that's where um, Amani Rainis, um is. And um, for her, uh, it's interesting, cause actually, because with these two queens, there is actually a, a, a colonial component, um, which makes up the probably the the, the bulk of and the more important part of the context in which they're living. So, for example, um, in Amani Rainis' time, it's, she, she is you know, ruling very soon after um, the deaths of Cleopatra and Mark Antony. So this is when
0: oh, wow. um, Augustus
1: yes. comes to the throne, um, or to the Roman throne. This is like the beginning of the Roman em- Empire proper, and they've just conquered Egypt. The Romans have just conquered Egypt um um so this is around sort of 30, this is around like 31 bc 30 bc um and um they want to extend further south into sudan um and you know augustus's mission basically is to so obviously before he takes the throne and this is obviously part of cleopatra's line is the ptolemies who've been ruling egypt yeah. um and he wants to take over that whole apparatus and rule egypt and uh, sudan um in a similar way to the Ptolemies kind of did. The Ptolemies didn't get as far as far south, but that that's basically his plan. And um, you know, uh, the Sudanese uh, at one point, under the command of Arma- Armani Rainus, um, set out to resist, you know, resist that that occupation. Um, mm-hmm. And then it's sort of a similar thing with um, with uh, Queen Nijinga of Angola. So again, you know, when she's you know very young, or at the you know sort of during those very early formative years, she, uh, you know, her grandfather basically is, is, um, is, is dealing with the Portuguese. So when she's, you know, so when she's quite young, that's when the Portuguese uh, start to want to conquer her kingdom of Ndongo. Um, and this is whilst her grandfather is ruling. So the Portuguese have been, so this is, this is, this region now is sort of a, a West Central Africa. So it's like modern day right. Angola. Um, and it's split into various kingdoms, the most powerful of which is the kingdom of, of Congo. Um, and then the kingdom of Ndongo, which is uh, where Queen Njinga is living, that's her kingdom, that's her home, um, is also an important state. But the, uh, you know, the Portuguese and the Congolese had basically been in contact for quite a while since, since the 1480s. Um, and they built up quite a strong alliance. And so, um, and, you know, the, the kings of Congo had converted to Christianity um, and had invited, you know, Portuguese priests to come in and to, you know, and they had, had adopted um, an education system that was very heavily influenced by the Portuguese and the, and the mm. system of coats of arms, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so the Portuguese are basically invited by the Congolese in order to set up a settlement um, in an island in the area called Luanda. Um, and, I mean, the, 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 the people of um, Ndongo... Uh, The Mbundu is the name of the ethnic group. They've been trying to sort of build up a rapport with the Portuguese for quite a while, um, since about 1518, but they only get their first mission in uh, 1519, 5059, 1550-60. And so they've been trying to build up sort of diplomatic links that have not really been, it not really been working. Um, but, you know, sort of after the Congolese invite the Portuguese to come, and this is slightly later, this is about in the 1570s, because they had a bit of a, a, like a love-hate relationship with them over the decades. Um, it may need to do actually with the, with the pressures of, of the slave trade, because there's at one point where the Portuguese basically are ignoring um, you know the, uh, the the rules of the kingdom, and mm. are taking some of the subjects of the of, of the King of Congo and enslaving them. When that that in particular is not allowed, he's allowed to take non-subjects. Mm. But so they have a they have a you know a bit, a bit of a a bit of a spat, a bit of a difficult relationship. Um, but in the 1570s, things are a bit rosy. So the Congolese obviously invite the Portuguese to come. Um, and when the Portuguese do come, they come with a huge army. But basically, the Portuguese oh, king at the time has told the governor a guy called Paulo Dias dos Noves. He's basically told him to conquer Indongo. So he comes with like a royal, you know, like basically royal authority to mm. conquer the kingdom. Um, and this is the the beginning of troubles, not only for Indongo, but um, also for Njinga. Because basically from from this time onwards, there is, you know, conflict with the Portuguese that, that you know, she plays a, a, a huge part. In 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 sort of in, in bringing to, uh, to, to to you know to a conclusion and a conclusion that isn't you know uh, detrimental or isn't disastrous for mm. uh, for her kingdom of of Ndongo. So that's basically the contest is that for with, with that with both of these queens, it's really where um you know two new uh, powers um have sort of um, entered the arena and are trying to uh you know trying to um uh, to subordinate their kingdoms. And the theme, really, of both of their lives and both of their rules is is, is resistance. Mm. Um, so that's how I can best sum it up, I think.
2: Oh it's really interesting. It, it? No, it's kind of me and Liv's ideal topic. It's warriors and it's women. It's queens. It's women leaders. Yeah. <laughs> also, women fighting and women resisting. Yes. Which are yeah. Topics that we love to highlight. What what drew you to this subject initially, and why? What do you think is the? It, well, if you could pinpoint uh, a kind of broad cultural significance of these queens what would yeah. you what would you kind of pose on
1: that no that's a, yeah no that's because actually my you know my um we actually have in my ethnic groups i'm 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 an ashanti um who basically were a uh, well i mean they're an ethnic group of modern day ghana but mm. uh, at one point beginning from about the 17th century they they built a, a large empire and conquered quite a lot of other um you know ethnic groups in the same area um and um uh our, you know, our that 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 tribe, you know, the Ashanti or that ethnic group, we actually have our own warrior queen as well called Yaa. Oh, wow. So she, and mm. she again, it's a similar thing. She resisted the British in the same way Amari Rainus resisted the Romans, and mm. Njinga resisted the Portuguese. So actually, when and and there's their name, but there's also a similar queen in in um, um I think in Benin. Who does similar so you have basically the, the, the it, it seems to be actually that when it comes to um you know stepping up to the plate that you have female rulers who in every instance in sub-saharan africa have done that and i think one uh, important reason for that is that in uh, not in um, angola specifically or modern day angola so in dongo there but for example you know my uh, you know, my uh, group or my ethnic group, my tribe, the Ashanti are matriarchal and have been for mm. a while. So we kind of have a system whereby, um, so the, for example, the most important authority um, in our society is the queen mother, who is yeah. the, uh, the mother of um, a chief, but she plays, it, but even if she isn't um, his mother genealogically, she plays a huge part in the selection of the king of the Ashantis to, to this day. Um it was a similar thing, yeah, it was a similar thing in Kush, actually. So Amani Reynas, so the, the queens of Kush, i.e. the mothers of the kings, even though the king was the ruler, the, the mothers were probably yeah. more important, actually. Um, and wives and, and queens of Kush were really important. And, I mean, similarly with um, with Ndongo, it's like, um, you know, I mean, uh, Ninjinga was famous for having, you know, and, and actually it's the same thing with the Ashanti queen mothers. You know, they have similar arrangements to the male rulers of Ashanti you know they have they have like they they have male concubines you know they have their own councils you know they have their own you know um uh you know they have their own they have their own courts so Mm. they basically act as like a direct counterpart to 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 to, you know to male rulership and this this sort of complementary aspect this yin and yang is an important Mm. part of the nubian so um you know uh, in in kush during uh, Marnie rennes's time and even before that it has a bit of a, hi- of a historical precedent but then also um, to a certain extent in Dongo, but especially in ashanti there's this uh, you know there is this uh, idea that you know you need a male and female counterpart and you kind of need male and female you know energy and perspective um, mm. values in order to rule a people effectively because wow. this idea is which made- makes
2: which yeah. makes, so yeah. Yeah, makes, so makes so much sense yeah makes so much sense me, we're looking at western history that it's so patriarchy is so entrenched exactly. in it and you can't escape it and it's so it's so interesting to look at african history and how you have a matriarchal society and the differences and the balance and yeah it's, exactly so you have I mean, that yeah.
0: balance. who so. was it that we
2: had on about queens of the crusade i think it was Alison weir we had alice and weir oh, yeah,
0: okay. yeah, yeah.
2: We had queens of the crusade and i think that's where the closest we've me and liv have come to learning more about
1: um
2: the, the queens that have that dominated, yeah. Africans, like medieval exactly. queens but there's just so much more
1: and yeah hurry up and get your book out yeah yeah (laughs) I mean it's the same thing right during the uh during the crusader crusader eras in um in ultramar, where you have like um Melisande and so you have these like female rulers but I suppose the difference there is that usually in 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 sort of western context what you'd have is maybe you'd have a queen but like the whole apparatus would be male like everything else would be male you know, extending, not even just in the physical, like not even just in the physical and political realm, but also if you look um sort of, um, you know, in the cosmological realm, this is one thing that yeah. I found quite interesting actually in Kush, for example, one of the most important deities is, is Isis. You know, the cult of Isis is the most important. So it's like the idea of, you know, the, the importance of the feminine, you know, yeah. not just in the physical realm, it's something actually that 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 is sort of deep in the cultural ideology. Yeah. And it wow. extends, you know, so in all areas. Yeah. And it's the, it's the same thing in Ashanti. You know, we have um, um, asaseya as well as Niame. Mm-hmm. So, and actually, you know, Niame and Asasaya, and sometimes Niame, who's, who's sort of like the supreme being, is conceived of being one being with a male and female counterpart. So it's like a they, so it's like- Yeah, so, oh, know, wow. okay.
0: A, so yeah. that,
1: so like the, you know, the ideas of, of, of you know, of, of the importance of having both a male and female aspect to all areas, you know, of life and, and, Mm. and, and, and extends all the way, all the way down, even to, even to today. So if you look at like, um, you know, uh, well, I mean, it was probably more pronounced in sort of the, the the pre-colonial era, but even nowadays in sort of, um, households in Ghana, like you you see there is that, you know, um, idea that, you know, there are, in order to run a household properly, then you need to give equal weight to the values and decisions of, you know, of the husband and the you know and the wife um and husbands and wives are able to and it's like so, you know it's like i say with the um with the queen mothers like you know they have their own um <clears throat> you know it's accepted for them to have their own you know concubines and to have multiple husbands and you know so they can yeah. sort of do this, wow. do this thing.
0: yeah
1: yeah um and so i mean and so that's what interested me i always thought and i remember yeah. when i was quite young my grandma who's who's sort of you know who's who's very much like um, you know he's very ashanti um yeah took a very you know was much more interested for example in my sister than she was in yeah. my, either my brother or I I'm um, <laughs> just curious about this like I didn't think I didn't think much of it but I was just curious about you know curious about it and when yeah. I was learning about you know the importance of, of you know of of, of 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 for example um uh, you know daughters in the Ashanti context because mm. not only is because the Ashanti and it's the similar thing with um, you know the uh, in 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 ancient kushite society so they're not only matriarchal but matrilineal so inheritance goes to the female line so for example mm-hmm. it's the it's the children of the daughter who inherit you know the father's or or in that case if it's the children of the grandfather's um you know property so for example be my sister you know would be my sister's children who would inherit my wow. dad's house for, for instance yes. or my dad's titles or that you know yeah. those kinds of things reality. but um so that's what interested me i i sort of been you know face to face with you know with a with matriarchal and matrilineal yeah. system so i was curious about whether there were any other um you know whether there were any other systems like this but then i think you know sort of what you sort of alluded to phoebe is like you know what what can we kind of learn from it because i think mm. it's it's something that is an important and ancient component of you know of a society, let's say in you know the Ashanti context that has existed for centuries, thousands of years. So I mean to some degree it works. But to be fair enough, they are also very patriarchal, especially some mm. in Nigeria, there are some yeah. also very patriarchal systems. So I'm still I mean it's something that I'd actually you know want to look, to look into. I'm not sure exactly why Ashanti became matriarchal. Yeah
0: and the
1: other ones didn't but I will uh, have to get
0: you back when you find out. Yeah. yeah I can see
2: part. why you into this topic, once you yeah. started, you just kept pulling out more and more and thought, yep, exactly. this, this
0: is- going. <laughs> Well, that leads perfectly then into asking about your new book deal, because, am I right in saying that you're aiming to look at 500,000 years of African history?
1: Yes, I mean, this uh, is-, I is- Give
0: I'm us an like- exclu- <laughs> give us exclusive of simply how, what, yeah. Are you looking at all of Africa. Is it going to be one area? Like, how are you doing this? How, how are you am I? Ten books or one? Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the answer is I'm I'm not. I'm not really. Actually, I'm are you not okay, really doing that. Like? <laughs> I'm not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stressed. Big challenge. Cry. Big yeah, challenge. Yeah. for help. Yeah. there's <laughs> um, <laughs> Anything. I was like, Can I come on, this anything to distract me from my work. Yes, uh, no, yeah, but, um, to be honest, it's actually not so bad because I think you know, uh, especially when I was using the title. I mean, I know that you know, in, in sort of what I'm covering, I'm encompassing 500,000 years of history. But luckily, it's not a it's not a narrative. It's not like. Um, and then Montefiore's got, got a new book on, yeah. on like the world where he's sort of looking at a narrative. It's not quite like that. Luckily, okay. might, because the 10 chapters are thematic. So depending oh, on the theme that I, so I'm doing, you know, so it's like 10 chapters and each one looks at a different theme that um, I found or I you know, believe is sort of important to, um, you know, would be important for people if they wanted to understand, you know, uh, is a word like, the, you know, the African core about of, of, of of pre-colonial African societies and African cultures. Um, so for example, one chapter, I look at, um, let's say the, the empires of, of West Africa in the medieval era. Um, one chapter, I look at matriarchy. Another one, I look at trade and multiculturalism. So I sort of, uh, and you know, uh, another one, I look at um, um, you know, at, at sort of oral, oral storytelling and oral history. So depending yeah. on the theme that mm. I'm doing, I look at a different period and I look at a different uh, area. So, for example, uh, the multiculturalism and trade one, which is actually the one that I'm sort of uh, uh, a research, uh, yeah researching in the moment, which I think is really really interesting. But that is um you know East Africa during you know the Swahili coast, modern day Kenya, Mozambique, um, Somalia, um during the sort of from from about the eleventh twelfth to the fifteenth centuries, and it's amazing because you have um no spoiler but basically during in that in that region during, you know, this time you had, you know, trade relationships and you had people coming from, you know, as far away as India and China and Yemen, you know, in order to take part in the activities there. So we sort of think of sometimes multiculturalism multiculturalism as being quite a a fairly modern um, Mm. phenomenon. And um, actually, you know, what this shows is that, you know, these, these links and these global links and globalization has been, you know, for, for some peoples, a, a part of, um, you know, an important part of their societies and, and politics and um, cultures for, for ages. So, for example, like, you know, East African cultures are heavily influenced by um or you know fairly influenced by cultures from you know arabia and from india and china so that so i look at that uh, like there during that period mm, mm, um, sure. and um yeah and i mean I, the reason 500 years i look at you know i sort of talk a bit about um you know really really sort of you know i, lo- I look a bit ar- at archaeology and you know interrogate kind of uh, you know the origins of our species homo sapiens which you know sort oh, of wow. conventional academic knowledge um uh, agrees that you know the origins of sapiens was in east africa so you know yes. it's sort of the, it's like the the beginning so i think this is why i sort of um you know uh well this is another thing that kind of interests me about you know this area and this subject is that you know i think um it's important which you know sort of we, we spend a lot of time talking about especially here um you know uh, uh which i think is, is fine you know it's fair enough we spend a lot of time talking about the transatlantic slave slave trade and colonialism which I think are like you know they're important parts of um of 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 British history but what I find really interesting is that you know let's say the transatlantic slave trade for example is more is is let's say a more important part and it's like more British history than it is for example um uh you know Zimbabwean history for instance Mm. because it involves you know and and changed and impacted. It's, narrow. it's a
0: narrow view of history isn't it? it yeah. Just it's, it's, yeah it's
1: interesting because we think of it as being I think there's almost like a perspective of the slave of, of the slave trading colonies and being like a being like a history of um of 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 you know of like uh, of like black people yeah but, you know I think what it's you not. have to is that no, that's the that's thing. you have to yeah. it's like it's the hit so for example in Ghana the slave trade is important because you know and for the ashanti it's important because you know we were on the west african coast dealing with the dutch and the portuguese and the british during that time you know concubine british etc so for the ashantis you know for, for for um you know for certain groups in in uh, you know nigeria for people in ivory coast and Burkina Faso, Faso, etc like that particular one is um is important but it's like european colonialism is is pretty important but that might not be as important for say um, Ethiopia as it is for you know like South Africa so you, you kind of they're like degrees but I mean you know I think what I you know was was always thinking to myself is that you know these two areas uh these those two areas the transatlantic slavery and colonialism are important to look at and I understand why we look at them a lot but you know it's like I saw those 400 400 000, 000 years you know, oh, of history, sure. Be, like, before that,
0: uh, unfortunately, yeah, not uh,
1: a lot that we know, we, we don't know a lot about it, mm. but, you know, there's a whole, there's just, like, so much material that yeah. doesn't yeah. even really get, you know, look into and doesn't really get explored and doesn't really get, you know, talked about so much in in the public sphere and the popular sphere, even though a tiny bit of research has been done on it. Again, it is it is difficult. So mm. when I'm doing something like the Bantu migration, it's a huge migration of, you know, um of Bantu people. So these are, um, it's like a meta ethnic group, which has lots of little ethnic groups, uh, sort of, which make up, which, you know, that make it up. And mm. they sort of now live, so people um, who are classed as Bantu, so includes like the Zulu, for instance, live mainly in East South Africa, but they came actually from West Africa originally, and right. they moved across yeah. over, over a period of about, you know, a few thousand years, about four to five thousand years, they moved from West Africa into east and into and across east and south africa and whilst they were doing that they were sort of um engaging with and trading with and you know intermarrying with like just probably probably hundreds of groups of hunter gatherers none we'll never know and that's what gave all these distinctive peoples all these peoples their distinctive cultures and languages and all that type of stuff Mm. um so that's you know let's say a three thousand year know an important part i think of of of, you know if you want to sort of understand what you know why africa and certain african peoples are the way today it's an important thing to know about but i think obviously part of the problem is that no one no one knows what happened during those few thousand years um um but you know it's one example of a major kind of event that you know is not really you know has has been like studied a fair amount but yeah of not something that's 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 known about you know and, and yeah. seen as being a major you know something that you know like a major event of you know of, of our species mm, uh, yeah. so that was what I sort of want to look at in the past as actually like, we spent a lot of time talking about this but you know I mean there's there's five yeah. you know four to five hundred thousand years of of stuff before that of events yeah. and people and places and you know architecture and art and all that kind of stuff which gets you know nowhere near man. so it's very like it's very skewed I think yeah um, the focus yeah so that's what I kind of wanted to bring a bit mm. more into the open um yeah
2: you've already started to fill that kind of gap in the market haven't you because you've got a documentary on history here it's Africa uh, written out history yes how yeah. was producing that how did you find that
1: um so uh that was I think just after I'd done the Twitter takeover and I had a message from um Uh, he's uh, like a a producer director who works with uh, with history hit and he asked me if I had um, you know had any ideas of any stories that I wanted to tell and I think that one is uh, sort of what I look at there is you know why actually you know sort of just asking the question of why do we know why do we not know so much Mm. all this stuff before um, and focus a lot on transatlantic slavery and colonialism and, and could that be A reason why you know a lot of people of African descent sometimes feel sort of disaffected because you know it's like if the foundation of your identity perhaps rests on one of subjugation and conquest just doesn't really make you feel very you know it's just not you know it's like it's like for example imagine if uh something that I think I mean I don't know how sort of plausible it is but you know imagine if um you know let's say you know every you know everything um or you know if you wanted to represent british history and all the programs and all the documentaries and all the articles etc were about like you know the norman conquest just on yeah, on yeah. On, 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 on.
0: And
1: that was yeah. like the foundation it would be like a similar thing but yeah, you know, it's so so good.
0: Good.
1: yeah but we know here we have so much of the stuff you know you have you know nelson and you know elizabeth and chase so you have just all these other things that you can draw upon which make you feel proud which you know i think all british people feel proud about you know um who they are where they come from so that's what the documentary is looking at is um you know uh this other you know all this other material that you know could be sort of the foundation identity why is that not not known about and um uh you know one of the things that i look at is um perhaps that um in the early days of kind of a scholarship about you know african history and ethnography which did come about as sort of um as, as part and parcel of colonial expansion is that a lot of the you know a lot of the amazing achievements that um, African societies of the ancient medieval areas had, um, you know, had, had done um, a lot of the things that they'd made and, and built, and a lot of, you know, um, a lot of their sophistication, etc., was attributed to other peoples. Uh, so peoples from China and from, you know, modern Israel and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so uh, um, just because it wasn't believed that basically Africans could be, you know, were capable. Of you know making the the uh, the the IFA bronzes or Great Zimbabwe or whatever it was, and um, you know I did you know you, when you look at sort of that history you do notice that actually more more and more the way that that, that those stories and, and that information that propaganda was kind of pushed, um, there was actually to some extent for example in Zimbabwe where the local people the local Shona people whose ancestors had built you know Great Zimbabwe. Basically became uninterested in it because they had, you know, there was the, the, the you know, the, the propaganda that you know your ancestors weren't responsible for building this had become, um, you know, had had changed the way that they mm. looked at their looked at their past. So now that's changing now, but it's like that propaganda, for example, in in um in Zimbabwe and in South Africa was, you know, was propagated up until like the 1960s, 1970s, you know, from and that's yeah. from you know the late, you know, almost a hundred years was so from the late 19th century. Until yeah. late 20th. Um, so it happened there and it happened in, um, you know, it happened in, in Nigeria and it happened in Sudan as well. So like the pyramids of Kush and, um, you know, uh, so uh, yeah, so that's what, you know, that I really was, was looking at is that, you know, what are the reasons why um, we I think even people of African descent aren't, you know, haven't really engaged so much with that deeper past um, mm. kind of take transatlantic slavery and colonialism to be you know to be the most important parts um, to a certain extent of our of our history um so yeah i mean that would be my ambition to do like yeah. a vikings type series i mean what would be cool as well is oh, that yeah it was exactly <laughs> you could front just because you know there are so many different areas you could do that but then there's also for example the stories of sundiata and then there's you know who um, founds the mali empire so it's a way to look at it's a way to tell exciting story whilst also looking at and and sort of and you know looking at and appreciating and teaching people about african values yeah i think that's actually actually one thing that's missing from the debate a lot of the stuff that we look at is you know it's like there is a distinction i believe between you know black and african because there are all kinds of quote-unquote black people you know people from, you know let's say from the caribbean or from um you know or even just from different places in africa you know in, in sub-saharan africa yeah uh, have different or you know for african-american or anglo-american uh, sorry uh, african-american or anglo-african or whatever you have uh different mindsets and values and different parts of your history and importance so, you know all, the, all different kinds of things so you could look at the yeah. you know, different regions and actually be like you know what is there are there are some uh overlaps so of ancestral veneration etc but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of variety. Yeah,
2: oh, amazing. A lot of
1: material and oh my god, it's,
0: I found it so fascinating. Yeah, and it really annoys me because I'm like, why did I have to learn about the shitty Tudors in yeah. My yeah. Fact, North northern the Tudors in um <laughs> <America>. <laughs> all that, like, When there's so much depth and actually really interesting history and you especially look at what a multicultural country we've become, like Luke, you just said about understanding African cultures and everything. Surely if you're going to teach about African history, that would probably help our younger generations in understanding the multicultural in our society, like.
2: Well, I was thinking about it earlier when you said that multiculturalism gets pinned as some kind of modern idea. I yeah. was in a school last year and then kind of I was with a year seven class doing history mm. and they were learning about the Silk Roads and how much movement they yeah. were. Every single one, all 30 of them all, almost thought that people in the past didn't move. They just stayed in one yeah. place, yeah. One they never went anywhere, they never did anything. And they were all just baffled by how much movement there was and how we've got all the things we have today that go back thousands of years. So it's, it's really good. I think it's starting to emerge and more light is starting to be shed on it. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it keeps going in that way.
0: Yeah,
2: no, yeah. there's Definitely. so much more to be said about it. Yeah. Right. Shall we move on to the fun round? Liv, are you ready? I'm excited. Oh yeah, always,
0: <laughs> always. Okay, right. So we know that you're stressed by this round, Luke, but we're excited, <laughs> as always. Um I feel yeah. like we add a bit of fear to our podcast by putting this in there. <laughs> so yeah, so seven big questions, big. your yeah. first immediate answer to you. So we'll kick it off with who's your favourite figure in all of history?
1: My favorite figure is probably Ose Tutu, who is okay. the founder of the Ashanti Empire. Um, nice. So then, uh, yeah, so he's important to me sort of personally, because I see him as kind of the progenitor of, of, of one of one of my people, as it were, um, the Ashanti. And he also has in him, he and his companion, Akonfo um, also have an amazing story about how they founded this kingdom and how they brought into, how they allied, um, you know, all the clans of, 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 of the meta ethnicity of the larger ethnic group. Um, you know, and, and defeated all their enemies. So I think it's a cool story, and he's a cool figure, and I have a personal um, sort of uh, affiliation nice. with him. So I'd nice, see. I like that unique answer.
2: answer. Not had, not had them before, so unique answer.
1: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. oh, <it's> good. Good. <laughs> right. Who's your
0: least favorite figure in all of history?
1: Yeah, my least favorite figure. Do you know? It actually came to be very cool. So, um, uh, so he was. Uh, so he's a guy called Gil de ray I, okay. I, I, I don't know if you know, but he was basically. So I, think was he, I think he was 14, basically he was living ar- around the time of Joan of Arc um, okay. and, he was a, and he was a nobleman, but he's like, um, <laughs> but he was basically notorious um, in his time for being, <laughs> for being basically a child rapist and killer. Oh
2: um, my God. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair but, enough, fair
1: but enough. enough. But like, in the 14th seconds. century, so I remember I came upon him in a really odd way. So I mean, when I was young, I watched this, um, this show, like okay, an anime more, more, more accurately. What um, stuff of, are
0: you of,
1: watching? Like,
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> for a
1: kids program, yeah. Yeah, lovely. <laughs> it wasn't quite a kids program, but it was, like, it was like an action. It was like, so it was like an anime. So it was like, a, like an right, yeah. sort of like action. And um, it, it's basically, so it's basically a show about, it's, it's basically these people. So it's like seven wizards and they fight for like the Holy Grail. But each of them has like a servant who's like a historical figure, which I really oh. like. So like one person oh. has like, one person has like, a, or like a historical mythical figure. So, like, the main character, for example, has, a like, um uh, Arthur. I'm sure she's yeah. like, so like Arthur Pendragon. One person has, like, Gilgamesh from the epic, yeah. all that type of stuff. And one person had Gilderay. And I was like, who's this Gilderay person? So I searched it up. And, yeah, in his time, he was known, thought, for wow. man, known for doing these horrendous things, but was caught in his time and executed.
0: Oh. Um, oh. Yeah, so...
1: so- yeah, so I mean, he sort of did. Yeah, so sort of justice was justice was served. But I'd probably say he was my least. He was my least favorite. It just shot me when I read about him. I was like, oh, yeah, it yeah,
2: yeah. would <laughs> do. But
1: again, I think it was like this, I'd always felt. I mean, obviously, you thought that they must have been in the past, but that, that you know serial killers, etc., would have existed in the past. But as someone who only really became familiar with serial killers when looking at, let's say, like twentieth-century American serial yeah. killers, probably the yeah. notorious. The fact that there was someone, you know, whoever he was, fourteenth century, etc. Um, who was doing this thing but his crimes were known about and he was sort of caught and executed it was just kind of um uh you know kind of brought the the past a bit more into focus Um, but yeah he's probably he's probably (laughs) my least favorite
0: we haven't had him before but he definitely deserves to be there yeah Yeah, i couldn't agree more okay so more positive twists i hope there's no more serial killers in your car But with who would you take? You have three people from history. Oh, yeah. Who would you take on a road trip?
1: Okay, so um, first would probably be the traveller that I mentioned before, Ibn Battuta. Um, yeah. He travelled. I think in his lifetime he travelled to uh, the equivalent, uh, or you know where he went. So he went, you know, I mean travelled all over the, all over the place. But you know, uh, West Africa, East Africa, Arabia, China, wow. India, Central. He went to tons of places. Um, you know, um, so. Uh, and obviously he'd be knowledgeable about, you know, all these different places. So I'd probably take him. I feel he'd be useful.
0: Oh, his storytelling um, would be insane. Yeah, Sh- yeah.
1: Uh, Zheng He, who was a, he was basically a, he was a eunuch. Um, he was a Ming Dynasty eunuch. Um, mm. And he was known for leading these expeditions to what the Chinese obviously called the Western Oceans. And he also traveled a lot, but he was, um, he was a pretty sort of phenomenal navigator. So he went to like... Um, mm. He went to uh, obviously he went to places like India and Indonesia, etc. Uh, but, you know, he his fleet, you know, the, the fleet that he was uh, sort of in charge of also reached, to managed to reach the East African coast. So he's one that I, I sort of talk about a bit and, you know, we'll go into a bit more detail about. But he was a, he was a pretty good navigator. So I think that would also be important when traveling. You need someone who knows them. Yeah, <laughs> and and, and, sure. I, mean, about, I guess, to be fair, I guess we'd we'll have GPS. i will be like, yeah, you know, exactly. but still, <laughs> um, it would be cool right. to go
0: back to an old cool. man, you know. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And then the last one would, would be Alexandre Dumas. He was one of my favorite novelists, but um, is a storyteller of the first degree yeah. and an awesome raconteur. Apparently, he used to, and this is where we—I feel that we kind of have a, an affinity, a similarity, because apparently he used to, um, he used to talk a lot, and he was very like larger than life. But he especially used to talk a lot when he was talking about himself. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> but he was very like fun, like larger than Yo. life. <laughs> You know, drunk. I was like, ah, yes, a man after my own heart. Thank you. What did you say? Okay.
0: He's, he's a raconteur. Is that French? Right? A like storyteller. He, I thought you said yeah. he was an awesome rapper.
1: And I was like, what? <laughs> like music.
0: No, awesome oh, raconteur. Awesome rapper. Okay. Rap-on-ter. All
1: right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he might have been a rapper as so I don't know. Um, yeah, What's cool about fan. him? He was, um, so he was quarter, probably Nigerian. So he was quarter, like, Haitian. So he was, like, the grandson. So he was the grandson of a Haitian woman and a French, like, nobleman. Um, so his father, and his father Thomas-Alain Zandoudouma, who he really looked up to, um, which was another affinity I look up to my dad, he really looked up to his dad, was um, was a general in Napoleon's army. Um, oh, wow. Known for like having superhuman, like, known for being like really strong, apparently he could carry like four muskets and two of his arms so and you know, he fought as one of Napoleon's to. top generals. Um, unfortunately, sort of died in disgrace because he challenged the French, he challenged like um, the way, you know, way to which Napoleon's um, yeah. you know, uh, sort of you know, governmental apparatus—the way in which they were acting—but um, mm. um, Dumas kind of immortalizes him in his stories of, like, the Three Musketeers. So I was reading something very interesting. It's like the three—the main three Musketeers. Oh, sorry, not the not th- well, three Musketeers, but two of the Musketeers. I think it's is, um, uh, so it's Porthos, and I want to say I want to say I want to say Aramis, and then D'Artagnan. Basically, those three were based on like his dad. Like, they all have different oh, facets. Wow. Dad, quali- his, of his dad's qualities, that's incredible, um, and also the Count he? of Monte Cristo as well. That story is inspired by his dad, but mainly I have Duma there because he's um, he 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 seemed really fun, and I think he would be you need some entertainment for a long yeah. time. Yeah, he has <laughs> like an amazing yeah. storyteller, an amazing story. So I'm to
0: have that's
1: him. so cool. Dude. I really yeah. like that. It's a
0: great car. <laughs> it's a great car. <laughs> a great car. <laughs> you
1: can come yeah. along if you want. Look, I'll
0: sweep you in. <laughs> <laughs> like i'll just kind of sit there and listen to it
1: all
0: <laughs> okay great okay. okay final question then oh, yeah. if you could go back in time for just one day where when would you go to
1: oh okay that's a good question um so I would days, probably not it's, uh, yeah th- this is not as um maybe not as original as i would have hoped but i really i really would want to go back to uh 14th century mali um Ooh, okay. just because it seemed it was you know, because again, even to, to he travels there, but he, he he sort of describes it, and it just seems like you know, it says it's like, you know, really beautiful and really clean and really safe and all that type of stuff. And um, I would just like to, uh, yeah, that's and you know, sort of um, also wealthy, and then also has um, you know, different quarters with all you know different kinds of people, and it's bustling and it's kind of it's it's like the source of you know most of the world's gold at that point. So um, it seemed like it would be a really and exciting and interesting place to see in it's prime because oh, it's somewhere that is really kind I mean and again this is but you know I think he you know bet- he goes there after having traveled traveled to quite a lot of places um so you know the fact that he talks about it so highly makes me think it was a place that was quite spectacular oh, oh, so, oh, oh and, uh, my
0: god I want to awesome. go back there
1: well. <laughs> lovely night to finish on that's brilliant
2: it really, oh my
1: oh, god, not so quickly.
2: I know, we go! No, are oh, no, so 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 nice. having so much fun! <laughs> nice when you're having
1: fun, yes, yeah, no, definitely,
2: definitely. Oh my god, Luke, so thank, thank you so you. much for joining us. This has been fascinating. I'm sure that our listeners will appreciate you shedding this light on African history. So, yeah, it's been brilliant to no, talk to no, you.
1: Thank you. much thank you for, for having me. I
2: really enjoyed myself. So that was the brilliant Luke Pepper taking us through pre-colonial African history. We'll be back with another episode next week. Until then, you can like, follow, share, retweet. You can find us at Karki Malarkey on Twitter. Um, until next week, this has been Phoebe Style. And I've been Olivia Smith. And this is Karki Malarkey, signing off.